Good afternoon, everyone. Thanks so much for joining us for today's call. We're going to go ahead and get started. Um, today's call is the do's and don'ts for your ERP selection. Sean Windle is going to be our speaker for today. Sean is the founder and managing partner of ERP Advisors Group based here in Denver, Colorado. ERP Advisors Group is one of the country's top independent enterprise software advisory firms. ERP Advisors Group advises mid to large size businesses on selecting and implementing business applications from enterprise resource planning, customer relationship management, human capital management, business intelligence, and other enterprise applications which equate to millions of dollars in software deals each year across many industries. On today's call, Sean will discuss the do's and don'ts for selecting your ERP software. We guarantee just one of these tips will dramatically increase your likelihood for success with your selection. Sean, if you're ready, I'll go ahead and pass it on to you. Okay, thanks, Juliet. Just a quick sound check. Everything okay on your side? Yeah, it sounds great. Perfect. Yeah. Okay, perfect, perfect. Okay, thanks everybody for joining us for another edition of the Trusted Advisor. Um, this is a good one because, as you know, if you've listened to some of our earlier seminars, we really do try to be very specific with exact things that you can do um, if you're in the middle of an ERP project that'll make a huge difference for you. So um, I'm going to go through about four don'ts and five do's. Um, I'd rather end off with the do's than the don'ts. So we're going to start with the don'ts. Um, and and as, as y'all may know from, from some of, again, our other advisor calls here, our approach as a firm is, is really to help everybody. Um, the, the industry that we work in, unfortunately, there's a lot of failures. Um, some studies show that it's even upwards of the vast majority, not just majority, but vast majority of ERP projects don't basically accomplish the business case that they were put in place to do. So what we want to try to do is help in any way that we can. Sure, we can help you with an entire project, but use one of these nine points implement just one of them, and I know your project's going to go a lot better. So without further ado, let's jump into the do's and don'ts for ERP selection. As I said, let me start off with some don'ts. So the first don't is um, don't start your project with knowing what you're doing and the why. So there's two, part, two important parts to that, the what and the why. And here's, here's kind of the thing. Um, when people start talking about ERP, they often really don't know what that concept means. They think it just is, oh, it's just a software or software application. That's not the case. Um, ERP is a philosophical approach to business applications across your entire business with automating processes and running reports and tracking data and all that fun stuff. Um, but, but really know what you are trying to do with um, with your software uh, before you even start the project. So when you go into it, don't go in without knowing what you're trying to do. The other part of this one too is the why. So fundamentally, um, if you don't know why you're doing an ERP implementation, I will guarantee you it will fail. Um, our analysis and studies have shown that sometimes companies and sponsors really don't know why they're replacing the software. Oh, the old one doesn't work very well, or uh, it's going to get sunsetted, or um, people don't like it. Um, can I remember one client, a uh, pretty good-sized software firm, 
that had uh, invested quite a bit in customized the heck out of an application. And uh, they were looking at switching. And when we asked the why question, it was because the executive assistant of the president didn't like it. And when we started talking a little bit more to her and, and really dived into what was happening, she was responsible for running some um, some KPI, some, some really important metrics reports and just didn't know how to do it. So with some training, she was happy. And all of a sudden, we weren't looking at switching applications anymore. So don't start your project without knowing what you're doing and why. Now, your second one is don't assume that everyone knows why you're doing it. So this one, we're kind of, you're, kind of, you're going to see that these don'ts and do's kind of build on each other. So often a sponsor will start a project and start doing the research and analysis, start bringing in some vendors, start bringing in other people throughout the organization to do demonstrations. And um, people will come and, yeah, yeah, that's, yeah, sure, makes sense. Yeah, let's do it. Okay, great. They do several demos, maybe even many demos, maybe even many, many demos. And after a while, you start asking people to take a lot of their time. <clears throat> Excuse me. And if they don't know the why we're doing it, um, they're, they're really probably going to revolt against you when it comes time to then do even more time on the implementations. So please, please, please. Don't start a project and assume that everyone knows the why you are doing it. Make sure they understand the why. Now, the next don't is, is much more practical and something that, that we have learned over the years is don't ever do a demonstration without a demonstration script. So what we mean here is, um, you talk to some vendors and you tell them kind of what you want to need. And that, like within like five minutes, the salesperson says, ah, great, let's do a demo. Let's schedule it, schedule the demo. Let's do a demo, 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 ah. Um, and, uh, and so fine, you do the demo. And you start looking at the demo and you're like, wow, this is amazing. This thing can do everything. It's fantastic. And you know, it all looks great. And then you buy the software and, start implementing it. And, and very often in that kind of approach, um, the sponsor and people implementing it can say something to the extent of whatever the correct acronym is that my children use these days, but uh, OMG, or maybe there's even some additional letters, I don't know, in there. Uh, but they're like, oh, this doesn't do what we needed it to do. Well, that's the problem when you don't do a scripted demonstration. Scripted demonstration basically says, we're going to write down every single thing that we want each of the vendors to show us in detail. And we're going to hold the vendors accountable to showing us this. And we might even try to stick it in as part of the uh, contract to say, we told you we needed this. Now you're going to deliver it. And so then that way, if something later comes up where they, they didn't deliver something, you can always go back and say, guys, look, you said you're going to do this. So, um, so don't, ever do a demonstration without a demonstration script. For sure, for sure, for sure, for sure. I promise me, please, please, please. It will make your life so much better. And then the, the last don't is um, a little bit of a tip here. If you've made it this far into the call, I want to reward you with that by telling you um, don't ever pay list price for software. Um, it's it's true that uh, there's there's a lot of margin in the software business. Um, what I mean by profit margin, what I mean by that is imagine something that you build once 
and you sell it to hundreds, if not thousands of people. And it's the exact same thing. So I'm <clears throat> like a building. I'm looking at a building right now that's being constructed. And this building is being constructed for one owner. That one owner has put in a lot of money up front to build this building. And they're going to get a building at the end of it. Now they may sell it to another owner or a group of owners. But it's, that building is really kind of single purpose use uh, for a single customer. Um, now, really, in software, it's software that exact same software code can be sold to thousands, tens of thousands, hundreds of thousands of people. So the cost of the software was relatively minor and it's marginalized more and more and more over more customers. So the bottom line is there is definitely room for negotiation in um, software pricing. So, so please, please, please don't ever pay a list price for software. And I think we have another white paper in another um, uh, webcast that we've done on some specific strategies for negotiation, but definitely take a look at those. They're, they're super, super helpful. So. Those are the four don'ts. So don't start your project without knowing what and why you're doing it. And then definitely don't assume that everyone knows why you're doing it. Make sure that they, they explicitly know the why and agree to it. And then don't do a demonstration without a demonstration script, please. Um, that's, that's important. And then don't ever pay list price for software. And I can give you lots of examples of those don'ts. Um, but but the one that comes to mind the most is um, we we were negotiating and helping a client through uh, a negotiation recently, and um, as we had gotten through to the point where we had down selected to the final software uh, vendor had had done the things that we described earlier, um, but especially on this list price thing, um, it turned out that we were able to negotiate a better price than even the private equity firm that owned the company was. And um, it, it really did go to show me that I do think there are some assumptions in the marketplace on software pricing on, on really where, where it should be versus where it can ultimately end up being. Even a professional negotiation procurement person um, didn't realize that there was still more, more profit that they could go after um, or more um, savings they could go after and still allow the vendor, the software vendor to feel really good about the deal. So. Um, example after example, I can really go into each one of those areas, but I think that's kind of the keys on, on the don'ts. <clears throat> Excuse me. Okay. Now let's talk about the do's. So I've got five do's that I've kind of kind of scanned, kind of looked across the uh, um, the penelope of all of our projects um, for different industries, different company sizes, different types of software. And I basically kind of narrowed down to these five things that, that I really, really, really hope you do on your project. And I know that they're going to really help out a lot. So here's the first do. It's, it's, it's the first do is the whatever you do. Um, whatever you do, make sure that you know exactly what modules to include in your ERP. So what we mean here are um, when you look across an organization that's doing a selection, depending on who's driving the selection, that individual may be inclined to focus on just their departmental or functional needs. Um, let's say it's coming from the sales organizations or operations or accounting. 
But because the impacts of these software solutions are so broad across the entire organization, you want to make sure that you talk to the other stakeholders and, and see with your, your colleagues if there's other areas that would make sense to put in new solutions. So, for instance, um, we often see that the office of the CFO will be doing an accounting um, selection. And um, we had a, a great client um, here in Colorado several years ago that came to us and said, oh, we've got to replace QuickBooks. And, you know, we want to do it fast. We want to get an app that just does accounting and everything's fine. And, and, and we said, well, what about your professional services group? Uh, several hundred people. And wouldn't it be nice if that tool was integrated into your financial system? And what about your sales function and your configuration to order, um, your configure to order capability? Do we want to tie that in too? And then what about payroll and HR and how does that fit in? And, you know, the client's kind of like, ah, you guys are just trying to increase the scope <laughs> for the project. And it's like, uh, no, we're just trying to save your job because we don't want you to, you know, put an application in now that then has to be replaced in a couple of years because your needs were actually bigger and broader then. So, so really do know what modules you're looking to include in your selection process. And, and frankly, you can include more in the selection, but then buy less and then even implement less, depending on what the needs are in, in that kind of, uh, kind of uh, equation, if you will. As you look across how much change can your company take on at one time, you might not implement the modules you purchased right away. That might be phase two or phase three. So the first do is know exactly what modules to include in your ERP. Now, the second one um, is, um, I, I, I reuse this one a lot um, because I, I really think it's, it's really the key to to most of the work that we do with our with our clients is um, do choose an implementation partner that you're willing to bet your job on because you are. <laughs> um, uh, it's a funny thing um, that people, when they're going through the selection process, the focus can just be on the software. And yeah, look, I mean, you're buying the software. It's vital, vital, vital that you really understand the software and you like it. The user experience is good and everything, you know, functionality is great. Super, super important. But I'll tell you this, um, if you're doing a good selection and you get down to your top three, my guess is any of those three will be better than what you have. So then it becomes more a question of who's going to support us in this implementation and who's going to support us later down the road when we need more training and who's going to support us when we need to change the app to fit some new business model that we have that comes out. Um, and so that's where these implementation partners come in. And um, we've even gone so far as to choose an implementation partner first. And oh, by the way, they offer this software solution depending on kind of the client's needs. So it's a super, super important one to choose an implementation partner that you're willing to bet your job on. Because like I said, frankly, you are. So we know what modules, we got a good implementation partner. So now let's, let's talk about kind of um, leading into the, uh, the, the back end of the selection process here. So, so really, really, really important um, as you're kind of evaluating software, any implementation partner is um, do meet with the implementation resources that are going to do your project. So that's number three. Meet with the implementation resources that are going to do your project. Um, it's a good one because you're not just relying on um, the actual salesperson that's going to do your project. Frankly, 
once you usually close, once they close the deal, and then you move over to the implementation group, sometimes the salesperson has no authority or influence over your implementation at all because it's a total separate division within the organization that you've selected that's now doing the implementation. So you can call your sales guy and say, hey, you said that it was going to work this way. And, and she may say, uh, well, um, I know I said that, but I thought it did. Let me call the implementation people. And she calls the implementation people and they say, no, it doesn't. You oversold it. It's your fault. And it leads to a big debacle. So it, know that it's the implementation um, resources themselves, your project manager, lead consultants, technical consultants, that you want to meet even before you sign on the dotted line so that then you can include those people in the statement of work before you sign it. And then you'll be um, assured that you'll get those specific people as part of your deal. And I would say... There's two people that are the most important on this point um, in terms of the implementation team. There's usually a practice director or an executive. They may be a VP of services. Um, this is the person who kind of runs the implementation function. It might be even a, a group of people. It might be the um, uh, industry vertical for professional services practice director or something like that. Um, you want to get to know that person. Um, you want to have that person's cell phone number so if there's any problems, you can call them and work through it. But they have they have authority to maybe take a resource and boop, uh, pick them up and boop, drop in another one because that resource didn't work out for you. So you want to meet that person. And then the other person you really, really want to meet is like the lead architect. So this might not be the developer or the functional consultant. But there's usually somebody who has a ton of experience that maybe even did the demonstrations that is going to be part of your implementation. But it's the, it's the guy or gal that knows the software the best. They know your industry. Um, they end up knowing your business the best. And, and they're the ones that will tell their team what to, what to develop and, and to configure. Get to know that person super, super well. Okay. So that's the third item. Uh, meet the implementation resources that are going to do your project. Now, um, as we're really winding the corner here to kind of coming into the home stretch, um, this is a really, really important thing. I, I mentioned this on the don'ts a little bit, but do make sure that your contract has favorable terms in it for you and for your long-term ownership and usability of the software. So what we mean there is um, the days of let's go spend a lot of money in year one to license software, and then um, over time, you just pay for maintenance, are kind of gone. I mean, very few apps are sold that way. We just did a deal where they were, and it was fine. But most often, we're getting these subscription or software as a service based apps or cloud based apps, and, um, and they're sold kind of on a yearly basis. But what you can do in your contract is you can lock in terms that say you can't change my pricing for a certain amount of time. And after that time is up, I want to cap on how much you can increase me because the reality is your first year is kind of shot anyway implementing. So in your second year, you're actually starting to use the software and, um, you know, that, that better go well. Um, and then third year, um, you know, you might be looking at how do you extend the software or do some more with it. So you really want to make sure that you lock in um, a good term on your contract so that each year you're not having to renegotiate with the vendor. 
who may be willing or may be um, driving to increase your your percentage um, on your contract, and then you have to pay more for the software you just implemented. So so just really be cognizant. Um, do negotiate for favorable terms on the um, um, basically on the terms of your solution, the actual time frame that you have the software, as well as the payment terms too. So know that payment terms are also negotiable with most vendors too. Okay, so um, that's the that's the fourth item here. Now, let's say you sign the contract and um, you're pretty much ready to go with the kickoff. And the last do here is what do you do from the, between the time that you sign the contract and the time that the vendor shows up on site to actually kick off the project? Because guess what? Your, your meter is going at that point. You're already paying for the software. And sometimes the vendors are so dang busy, the implementation vendors, the partners, that they may say, oh, yeah, we'll see you in a month. And like, uh, what? Um, we're paying for this. Let's go, 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 go. So, so the final do here is do start data migration and your integration specification work as soon as you sign on the dotted line for the selection. Um, what you'll start to see there is that there's usually a ton of issues around data that just take a long time to work out. And so the sooner you get into those issues and the sooner you get to resolving how are we going to pull data out of our system? How are we going to clean this stuff? How do we define a customer? All these questions that you have to work through that take a long time. So as soon as you get into that, um, the better, because then you have more and more and more time to work on these, these really key issues throughout the project. So that's really the last one. Um, I, I do like um, another do um, that everybody forgets about, um, not really related to the selection, uh, but I do just want to throw this in here too for the implementation is definitely celebrate the win. Um, I think that's something we need to do better actually as a firm too. But, you know, these are big projects. There's a lot of don'ts. There's a lot of do's. Um, but but know at the end that, you know, you're, you're taking people through a really tough situation, changing a lot. You know, people like change. They don't like change, whatever. There's just realities that change hard. So my final, final do for you is do celebrate the wins as you get them. You know, maybe have a team dinner even before you start the implementation, um, just to set expectations. And then at the end, make sure to do something kind of fun. Um, you know, we've done things from massage therapists coming in and doing fun massages for people, especially when they're freaking out of go live. Uh, margarita machines, depending on cultures, whatever, that's fine. But but just do something that, that would really help out and, and celebrate the work you're going through. Because this stuff ain't easy. That is for sure. Perfect. Thanks for your time here. And Juliet, I will pass it back to you. Great. Thank you, Sean. That's a lot of great information. Um, thank you, everyone. We're so glad you joined us for today's call. Um, if you have any questions, uh, reach out to us. We'd be happy to help answer anything you have. Uh, our next call is scheduled for Tuesday, December 11th. Surprises you don't want to have during your ERP implementation. We'd love for you to join us again for that one. Um, we will discuss how to structure your ERP implementation project so you can identify surprises and handle them quickly before you get surprised by your boss suggesting you find a new job. Please go to our website, erpadvisorsgroup.com, for more details and to register. Thanks again.